Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance, and my guest today is Bill Hibbler. He helps entrepreneurs and, on, and entertainers grow their audience and build better relationships on and offline. And he's also the co-author of Meet and Go Rich. And so we're going to talk about running successful mastermind groups. So, Bill, thanks for joining me. Hey, great to be here, John. So uh, you and I, when we were talking just a second ago off air, said that you were sensing this real uh, energy around mastermind groups, even though they've been around forever. I mean, we could go back to biblical times, right? I mean, the apostles maybe were a mastermind group. Um, but uh, there seems to be a lot of energy all of a sudden in business around this idea of mastermind. Are, are you are you finding that and sensing that too, even though you've been talking about it for years? I'm seeing it a lot. If, if people are all, you know, anytime you, if I meet people and we just start talking about it, people are always fascinated. But I, I'm seeing, like, I'm getting interview requests and I'm seeing a lot more people talking about it online again. But it's a, you know, I think the reason that is because it works. Yeah. Well, so, so maybe, maybe let's just define it just so everybody kind of has an idea of what we're talking about. What is, what would be your definition of a, of a mastermind group? What is that in business uh, context? Well, well, I'll, I'll start out, I'll, I'll steal Napoleon Hill's explanation, which is any time two or more people come together in a spirit of harmony with a common goal, a third mind is formed, the mastermind. Mm. Um, I think it was, I think Mark Victor Hansen said one plus one equals, doesn't equal two, equals 11. And that's kind of been my experience with masterminds. To me, it's a group of, what, and preferably for me, I like to have a group with five or six people in it. Um, it can be a group of people in the same industry and working together are people in diverse industries. You know, we can get into that later as pros and cons of both. Mm-hmm. But coming together once a week, once a month, even once a quarter in person, online, over the phone and, you know, working toward improving your business or your health or whatever, whatever it is, you know, you want to work on. So maybe let's talk about uh, uh, just so people have examples because I know not only you, you not only write about it but you participate actively and have for years in mastermind groups. You want to maybe and again you don't have to name any names or goals or anything based on it unless you care to. Uh, but uh, can you talk about maybe some of the uh, the groups that you've been in? What have been the maybe the makeup and the benefit of those? Sure, I'll give you one of my first masterminds was in Houston when I was. <clears throat> trying to act, I was trying to, I had tour managed a bunch of British rock bands and kind of been out of it. I was trying to get back in music business again. So I came into this group of local Houston musicians and business people that were, you know, trying to succeed. And I wanted to get, I wanted to get back to touring. I wanted to see the world. I had some, you know, some goals around that. I had no idea how to make that happen at the time. And other people in the group, uh, I don't know if you know Pat O'Brien. Pat was in my mastermind later in internet marketing, but he was a musician. He was in that group. And one of the guys was a drummer in a successful band in Houston, and they were trying to get a record deal and get national management. And, and there were a couple other guys that were trying to decide if they even still wanted to be in, in uh, the music business. So within one year, uh, my friend Max, who was the drummer, he was in a band called The Hunger. Within a year, they became the first band signed to Universal Music when they changed their name from MCA. And they went out in 90, I think it was 96, they went out and opened for Kiss when they came back with the makeup. Mm. So they, so they, you know, and they attracted 
you know, the guy that had managed the band Sticks and other bands. So yeah, they reached their goal. I was managing Glenn Hughes from the band Deep Purple. And I got to do, I don't know, something like seven world tours in three years within a year of that mastermind group. Pat was, his goal was to move to some little town that I'd never heard of called Wimberley, Texas. And, um, well, I ended up living for eight years later, but, and get out of Houston entirely and, and start playing more. And within a year, he had a recording studio in Wimberley and was starting to tour Europe and things like that. All of our goals hit. Everybody did well. One of the guys that wanted to get out of music is now a multi-million, he builds multi-million dollar homes. So, but, so everybody hit their goals as a result of being in that mastermind. Now, you know, more recently, I've had, you know, I had a group, actually the, the book, Meaning Go Rich, came about as a result of the mastermind. I mean, you, you hear about people trying to get, I mean, you know, John, you've, you've, had, a, you've had a few books out. You know what it's like trying to get a publishing deal? Yep. And I didn't send out a bunch of letters and get rejections. I sent like a very brief three-paragraph email to a publisher at Wiley, and from there it was just a question of negotiating the advance. And that was because I was in a mastermind with someone that was a, already a best-selling author with Wiley. Yeah. And Joe Vitale, who opened the door for that. In fact, I think five of us in that mastermind group did books with Wiley. And even someone like Joe, you know, for those of you not familiar with Joe Vitale, he was, he's a, he's a great marketer and he also does a lot of stuff kind of in the new age spirituality world and he's in the movie, The Secret. But at that first mastermind group that we had, and Joe was, was more successful than any of us in that group at the time. And Joe had a long list of goals and uh, he was about to to end his turn. And he said, Oh, wait, one more thing. He says, I know this will sound crazy because I'm not an actor. He says, but I want to part in a movie and I don't, I want a speaking role, not just like to be an extra. Cause I have no idea how that's going to come about, but just putting it out there within three months, I think he came back to a meeting and said, you remember how I brought up at the first meeting? Well, I had a letter from this woman on my list, and she's in Australia. She wants to make a movie with me, Jack Canfield, all these other people. And I told her yes, but she doesn't have any money, so I may never hear from her again. (laughs) And I think it was a few months later, suddenly he's flying to Chicago to record his piece for the movie. And then, you know, we watched that whole thing evolve. And that movie, of course, that became The Secret. And... You know, we watched Joe's career just skyrocket from that appearance in that movie. I mean, he wasn't paid to be in that movie, but, you know, he benefited enormously. Well, as I listen to you talk about that particular group, I mean, can you you point to, I mean, you've, one of the benefits was you all, you all stated a goal and achieved a goal, but can you talk about maybe why, what, what you attribute to that? I mean, what were, what were the things you did, the practices you did? Obviously, you didn't just all show up and put your wishes in a hat and, and um, dance around and they all came true, right? I mean, what, what were some of the requirements or what, some of the steps or some of the things you went through that, that you attribute to, to really achieving many of the goals in, in that particular group? Well, I want to clear up. We did actually have to dance to well, make these things I, happen. Um, I, I, I suspect if Joe was involved, that's probably true, yes. <laughs> Seriously, a good question. Um, 
in terms of, in terms of the mastermind, it, it's like you know sometimes it actually is beneficial to state your goals out loud. Um, and actually, that was the case with Joe and the secret. But you know, on a more practical level, you know, one of the things is there's accountability, and you know, just just having someone to hold you accountable for doing your work. In our case, we're internet marketers in that particular group. We all worked at home. We needed to get out of the house for one thing. But it's it's really easy when you work for yourself. I mean, there's nobody looking over your shoulder, you know, to maybe not get your work done yeah. and not be as productive as you might be. So, you know, one of the things we did in our group is we would, at the end of our turn, I mean, we would state, you know, okay, by next week, I'm going to have this and this done. And, you know, we check, we go back. And you didn't want to come to the meeting with having your homework done. Now, another benefit is your number of resources. You know, if you've got a network of X number of people, you walk into a mastermind group with five or six other people, well, your network has just grown exponentially. Because, you know, essentially, as trust builds, you know, their network is your network. And if you're doing something like we were, again, we were all internet marketers, we could do joint ventures together. If if I came out with a new ebook, then I knew everybody in my mastermind was going to promote it to their list. Or maybe I come in with a sales letter. I would, if I had a new product launch, and I'd print out several copies of the sales letter and bring it. And during my turn, I'd say, "Hey, would everybody take a look at this and and review and tell me what you think? You know, if you notice a typo, if you want to change a headline or something, just write it down. Let me know." So I have all these copywriters working for me. Uh, we did events where we all spoke at the events. And this could happen, I mean, just on a, on a more, let's say you're, we were talking about a mastermind group and there was a, a dry cleaner and uh, someone that owns a gym and a car wash and several businesses like this. We could all agree to do joint ventures. Mm-hmm. We could all agree to send a mail to our, uh, a letter out on the behalf of one of our partners here to our clients and introduce them. And we grow our business that way. You know, we could co-sponsor events. So many things you can do. do would you, did you find that there were instances or do you find in groups that you've been or heard of or talked to, um, uh, obviously, if, if, you've, if you need specific knowledge, uh, maybe somebody in the group's an expert at X and somebody else is an expert at Y, and, and at some point in time, uh, you know, that person's going to be able to tell you very specifically how to do something or how to get a result? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great point. You've got different skill sets in the group, and you get that kind of thing happening. And then another thing, just sometimes putting people, this is really kind of the magic of the mastermind. It's like I've seen someone comes in with an idea that they put out there, and, you know, this, this is the kind of thing, you know, you could do this with a one-on-one meeting with someone. You could take them an idea, and they could, they could plush you on it and tell you how to improve it. But if you're doing it in a mastermind setting, you know, you throw, I have an idea for this. And one person over here says, well, what if you did this to it? And now, you know, another member is going to jump on that and take it. And, and suddenly, it, you know, this, this whirlwind starts. And, you know, what started off is just, you know, kind of a basic idea becomes a really, really good idea because all these people are feeding off each other's ideas. That's when the real magic happens. Do, do you feel like there's a very set way to do this? Like, okay, we, 
you know, one segment is we all say what our problem is, and then we go around and ask for advice, and then people get. I mean, is there is there kind of a set agenda or working order for a successful mastermind, or does it really just come down to whatever works for the group? I, you know, it sometimes it comes down to whatever works for the group. But I find, like, you know, I, I can tell you what we did. We met it. We chose to meet in person. Although, again, with, with things like Google Hangouts and Skype, you can do video meetings and you can do conference call meetings. But I like personally like meeting in person. And we would come in. We had a, a local restaurant that took care of us and had like a private area for us. And we'd go in 12 to 12:30. We order. We say hello. And then at 12:30, the meeting starts. And, you know, now you could do this like on an iPhone with a little timer, but we had like a little digital timer that we passed around. Mm-hmm. And we decided because we had usually five to six people at a meeting that we were going to take 20 minutes for our turn. Some groups want to keep the meeting shorter. They do it 10 minutes, but we did 20. And during the 20 minutes, it's, you know, when it's your turn, you have the floor and you can spend that turn however you want. You could, you could talk for two minutes and get feedback for 18. Or you could do, like I talked about, we're handing out the sales letter and getting people to proof it. Your choice. It's very important that when that timer goes off, you know, the, the turn stops. And if you're giving someone feedback and the timer goes off, wrap it up. You can't go on for another two or three or five minutes. Yeah. Because then the meeting starts to run over. So you have to respect people's time, and you have to respect the fact that sometimes not every idea is going to get flushed out. And the way we did it is after everybody had their turn, then if those that you know, weren't pressed for time wanted to stay and hang out and talk more, they could. And a lot of times that happens. Because it's really important. To, it sounds like a little detail, but it's really important that meetings end on time. Because if not, people don't. People start not to. You know, well, you know, I get some good ideas there, but it's supposed to be an hour, and I'm always there for two and a half, yeah. and I just, you know, I can't take it all yep. the time. Do um, do you think it's essential to have a, a clear leader uh, of a group or um, somebody that's maybe even facilitating, watching the clock, policing <laughs> that kind of thing? It, you can have a facilitator a lot of times, and it's like I've been, you know, I've done paid masterminds where I was a facilitator, and it was usually on a topic that, that I was an expert in, and so I wasn't a member of the group. I didn't take a turn, but I could be, you know, the bad guy when I had to and say, hey, we're at time, yeah. you know, it's time to go to the next person, and I found if I, if you know, some facilities don't participate at all. Some do. I found that it was important for me as the facilitator not to share myself mm-hmm. until other people had spoken. Yeah. Because if not, the group starts to just tend to look for, you know, it's, it becomes it a consultant session. A lecture, not yeah, right. <laughs> and and yeah, we, we don't want that. Yeah. But if you, you don't have to have a, a facilitator. You, what you do in that first meeting is you sit down. You know, the group is a democracy. And you sit down and you come up with a list of rules. And it's really important to do this at that first meeting. Right. Because you want to decide, okay, what happens? How do we vote a member out? Yep. If somebody's showing up late or they're not showing up at all, how do we deal with that? If someone's constantly interrupting or they're negative, how do we deal with that? Well, you decide at that first meeting. And what topics are off limits? Yes. Probably. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, if you want, so, so, primarily, so you stick to the thing and you don't get off on politics or something. 
Yeah, and and believe me, I've been in masterminds where that happens. Yes, yes. Um, it, it, by nature of a group, anytime you have a group, over time you're going to start to get into personal stuff. And I, it, yes, if you said God, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. But you know, you're going to have situations where somebody walks in and and uh, you know uh, uh, someone's died yeah. or you know something really you know, serious has happened and, and you you support each other. But it's also it's great to have people like that around you. Yeah, that's right. Um, do you believe that it's uh, if you're going to start one of these? Uh, it, it, do you believe it's important to say, hey, we're going to try this for a year uh, so that everybody kind of has that uh, idea in mind, or or do you think it's better to maybe just say, hey, let's try this and see if it works? Well, I, I don't necessarily the 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 former is not a bad idea. It, it, you know, especially depending on what it is you're trying to accomplish, to say, hey, we're going to do this for a year. But if you're if you're not going to put a time limit on it, what I do suggest is when you're going out getting members, rather than say, okay, I just need to find. You know, he said I should have five or six people, so I'm going to go find five or six people. We're going to come together and start this group and start doing it. Um, instead, I suggest that you start out by finding one person and see if you've got good rapport with them. And if you do, then the two of you go out and find a third person and bring them in on a tentative best basis. Um, you know, partially, how long, partially depends on how often you're meeting. But if you were meeting once a week or you know, twice a month, then say, a, you know, 30 day trial. And so everybody, they understand that's the deal. And if everything's okay with the third person at the end of the month, you invite them to become a permanent member. And now, you know, from there, it's lather, rinse, repeat. It's the three of you go out and find the fourth person until you have your five to six people. And the reason I suggest doing it that way is, you know, sometimes I pull groups together where, I've got five really quality people and I've got, you know, one person that's just so negative and, you know, it's like, okay, now what do we do with this person? Yeah. You know, drags the whole group. Um, do, do you think it would so, be feasible or viable for, let's say, cause one of the things I really think is interesting is that I, I think today, you know, more than ever, you know, as a business, bringing your customers together more often and finding ways to build community, um, is I think is a really strong play. Do you think it would be uh, viable, feasible in your experience uh, for somebody, let's say a consultant, uh, for example, to that, that would have maybe that um, relationship with customers that to, to start putting together their own mastermind groups, say of customers, uh, really as a way, may, maybe it's an added revenue stream, but but also maybe as a way to build uh, stronger relationships by helping them get uh, additional value. I think it's a great idea. I mean, you know, I, I, in the times that I've done it, I've, you know, it's formed really, really, I mean, you, you always, you form a strong bond with people when you're in a mastermind group. It's just a, it's just a byproduct of it. And anytime I've done that with customers, those have become customers for life. Yeah. Do um, today with uh, the all the virtual tools, as you uh, alluded to, do you think it's viable or feasible for somebody to do uh uh, I, you know, maybe, maybe there would be once a year meeting or something, but to, to, uh, to actually run one of these effectively using technology, uh, across the world. Well, I think you can definitely do it using technology. I mean, it, it worked, it worked for me back when it was just, you know, using a conference call yeah, service yeah. now with video and it's not just, I mean, it's nice to be able to see people, but also with some of the other tools, 
that are out there being able to share files and and swap the screen so uh, you know you can share things that way whether yeah, you can it's actually collaborate on stuff right yeah yeah so yeah absolutely now you know once a year um sure it's a it's a one-time thing you don't get the same benefits that you get of a group that meets more often no i i guess i meant having a group that met uh, as frequently as you want online but then maybe trying to plan once a year to get together at least um, oh yeah once a year in person yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. Do you think the, the, obviously it would be a different dynamic, but do you think, uh, again, uh, another potential viable, could you have a mastermind that maybe met once a quarter uh, for, say, two days? Uh, so, so you'd be together a lot longer, but less frequently. I know Jack Canfield ran a group like that. And, in fact, most of the people that were in the secret, that's where they were filmed. They were all together on that retreat. And I think Lisa Nichols was invited to be a guest. She wasn't a member of the group. <laughs> and, of course, she ended up kind of stealing the show there. <laughs> but um, that's what they did. They had they had they used a combination of at the time they met on the phone once a month, and then quarterly they would get together with the families and have a little retreat. And then I think once a year they would get together and do like a larger three-day thing, which is a little bit more of a, a you know an event yeah. type of thing. Are you still participating in uh, in an active mastermind today? I'm not. I'm actually put, trying to put together a new group right now here in Austin. And it, it, this time I'm going, I've, I've always had these, I've always been in groups where everybody was in the same industry. Yeah. And this time I'm going to try, I'm, I'm trying to put together a diverse industry where there's no, Nobody's nobody's directly competing with another person. You know, just to see what that. You know, I th- I, th- I think that's really interesting. Obviously, uh, the pros and cons to both, right? Because I think uh, if everybody's in the same industry, then maybe they can share things that have worked that'll be immediately applicable. Uh, but if they're obviously if they're in different industries, uh, you you get some new perspectives that that in in many cases might help you think outside of the box and and, and innovate. That's what's exciting about it to me, because, you know, people, you know, no matter what industry you're in, people tend to have, all kind of do things the same way. And if somebody poses a problem, everybody pretty much has their own take on the same solution, whereas in different industries, you know, something that's really, let's give you an example. Um, You know, you go to a a restaurant and you go up to get a, to ask for a table and there's a wait and they hand you a little one of these little coaster-looking mm-hmm. things with, the, with the makes noise, yeah. lights flash. And, you know, as we started seeing in more restaurants, all of a sudden now my BMW dealer has it. If I take the car in for an oil change or to get something fixed, they hand me this right. thing. And it works the same way. I don't have to bug their service advisors. And so someone took something from another industry and, and applied it to this. So it's the same kind of thing in a diverse group. You end up getting... Different, different ideas, different perspectives, and there's not, there's not, there's not this fear of revealing, you know, something proprietary yeah. that you might have to take into consideration if you're in the same industry. Yeah, I guess if in a town like Austin, you bring five people together in the same industry, they essentially are competitors uh, in in some instances. So uh, that might be make it harder too in a local group. Yeah, you have to have a really strong trust factor yeah, yeah. if that's there. You know, if you're in the same industry and, and you, if you own a pet store in Austin and you're on a, 
you know, on a call with a guy that owns a pet store in Seattle and someone else in Dallas. Oh, it's such a big deal. Yep. But they're in the same market. Yeah, can do. Well, Bill, thanks. I appreciate you uh, taking the time and sharing your insights and experience on, on this topic. And uh, uh, Meet and Grow Rich, of course, is still available. Uh, I, I, I was able to get a, a Kindle copy fairly recently, so I know it's, it's uh, readily available. Is there any, anywhere else you want to um, share that people might uh, uh, interact with you, uh, especially if they're in Austin? Maybe they want to join your group. Well, they can find me at, the best way to reach me is billhibbler.com. That's B-I-L-L-H-I-B-B-L-E-R.com. Yeah, that's, that has my blog and my website and has all my social contacts there. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. And uh, next time in, I'm in Austin, which is actually ends up being a couple times a year. It seems like a lot of people do conferences down there. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll look you up for a, a cup of coffee somewhere. Hey, I look forward to it, John. 